the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to this special episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 292. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today we're coming to you from Toronto. Uh, This week I've been at Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference. Uh, This is an annual event that they hold in uh, varying locations, usually around the US uh, and occasionally in Canada. First up, I want to start with with covering off some of the announcements that have been made during WPC 2016 and leading up to WPC. And also we're going to dive into a little bit about the theme of the event and then a discussion with Paul Thorot, who's uh, well, well known as a, uh, a commentator on Microsoft and was uh, one of the many uh, international media that was attending and, uh, and commentating on uh, Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference. So um, uh, first up, just a little bit of an explanation. If there's a little bit of uh, uh, background noise on this uh, this podcast, um, it's because two things. One, uh, right now I'm recording in the back of an Uber on my way to the airport, and the discussion with Paul is in the conference area. So uh, of course, there's a there's a bit of other things going on as well. So first up, let's jump into uh, the news and, and announcements that uh, Microsoft have made in and around uh, WPC 2016. The first of those that uh, I think a a few people have been a little bit surprised by actually is that Microsoft are bringing Skype back onto Linux. Now after Microsoft acquired uh, Skype Linux was uh, was one of the versions or the, uh, the, the version of Skype that disappeared um, so they've got a new version of that coming through and a, and a preview or, or an alpha uh, version. It's available now. It's also going to work in the Chrome browser on Chromebooks and, uh, and, and Linux. So um, for those who are interested a little bit more on, on that topic, well worth actually having a look at the throt.com website uh, where Paul Throt has, um, has written a little bit about his, uh, his commentary and, and, and his thoughts on that. Now also on, on Skype, uh, the Skype for Business product actually, which was previously known as Link, Microsoft have announced that uh, they were adding some new, um, some new functionality to its, its broadcast capabilities. Of course Skype for Business, as well as being used for instant messaging within a business environment uh, and for, uh, for video uh, conferencing and video calling, uh, also has a capability of broadcasting um, to, an, to a reasonably large audience. I think at the moment it's up to uh, 10,000 uh, live viewers. So what they're bringing to uh, Skype for Business this year is an automatic live captioning capability or subtitles as some people uh, call them so um, that that will be using um, Microsoft speech speech to text uh, conversion technology and the other piece uh, which we've seen previously in the consumer version of Skype is the ability to do uh, live translations uh, on the fly so those that are wanting that captioning in a different language to the uh, the language in which the uh, the presentation's been given will be able to actually read those, those captions or uh, or subtitles in their own language other news uh, worth mentioning uh, microsoft highlighted some of the things that have been going on with 
with their Apollo lens technology. They actually showed off a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool demo of how uh, Hollow lens, which of course is their augmented reality or mixed reality headset and and computer, sort of all all in one wearable device, which uh, you know so far has uh, generally just been av- available to software developers to start uh, to start playing with that technology and, and, and putting solutions and, and ideas together. They have a version called HoloLens Business, which I hadn't heard of before, so I thought that was, uh, that was worth uh, mentioning, and that's targeting those organisations. If you want to get started with using HoloLens within their uh, organisations, um, but the demo that they, uh, they showed off um, was one that was um, done in conjunction um, with uh, Rolls Royce, who make air, uh, aircraft engines, and they were uh, they were sh- they were sh- basically showing off um, how the technology can be used to teach people about how to maintain um, these engines without having direct access to uh, to the engines themselves, which. Of course, uh, in a lot of places, it's probably not that easy to uh, to get your hands on the engine. So uh, great being able to put th- people through these uh, these virtual courses where they can, in effect, move around and 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 look at and inspect and and, and study the engines in, inside and out uh, in full uh, full three uh, three dimensions. So I thought thought that was pretty interesting. Um, obviously, there's um, you know we're really just scratching the surface at the moment with uh, with virtual reality and augmented reality technology. Um, so it's going to be quite fascinating to see what uh, what what comes out. And of course, this week there's been uh, been lots of news and, and discussion really across all media and uh, and probably just about everybody's social media feeds as well on uh, on Pokemon Go. So you you may have caught some of my discussions. Um, across the news media on on that this week, I talked on Radio New Zealand uh, News Talk ZB and and Radio Live, uh, mostly in uh, in pre-recorded segments from here in Toronto. So anyway, jump jumping on to um, to other things that were um, that were highlighted. Uh, one thing was, I, I guess, some of the discussions that I had. You you get a little bit of a pick maybe on where uh, where Microsoft are heading. Um, I was left with the impression that we're probably not likely to be seeing any new um, Surface products um, or refreshes uh, in uh, in 2016. Uh, so for those wondering if there's going to be a, a Surface Pro 5, my pick is that uh, that's pretty pretty unlikely uh, this year. Now other other bits and pieces, I'm I'm sort of picking that they will be Microsoft will be speeding up the update cycle uh, on Windows 10. Of course, the uh, Windows 10 Anniversary Edition um, is due to become available uh, shortly. Uh, my pick is we'll see we'll see the next sort of uh, update of, of significance. Uh, hitting probably in around nine months' time, so uh, that's a little bit faster than the than the twelve months from the initial release to the uh, the a- anniversary update. Um, and yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to tell what uh, you know what Microsoft will keep doing there in, in terms of uh, in terms of acceleration. Um, but but good to see that um, that they're they're pushing pushing along. Uh, with with those new iterations now down the track of uh, of Windows 10, um, the announcement that they made uh, also this week in regards to uh, that 
is for organisations who are wanting access to their uh, their enterprise edition, um, they're going to make that a little bit easier, um, particularly for uh, f- for smaller organisations uh, who maybe aren't, aren't geared up for some of the upfront licensing costs that have been required uh, for organisations to take advantage of those more business-oriented features in the enterprise version of Windows 10. And that is going to be available on a subscription basis, and I think they're calling it Windows Enterprise E3 as the initial uh, initial product there. It's been announced at uh, US $7 a month uh, per user, uh, and each user can use it on uh, up to uh, up to five uh, devices. So if, if someone's got a laptop and a and a PC and you know other other um, or, or guess you know multiple computers up to five uh, that will be covered in the uh, in that one license fee. I guess we'll see that land somewhere in the direction of uh, maybe around ten dollars or eleven dollars uh, in the in the New Zealand market. Or no, no confirmation on that. Um, they have also announced another uh, another unit which is going to be the um, the E5 variant of uh, of Windows 10 Enterprise. Although that's not going to be available on that monthly subscription at least initially, um, and that includes the uh, um, their more advanced security uh, cap- capabilities. So uh, something we'll hear a, a little bit more on uh, down, down the track. Uh, other announcements from uh, from Microsoft in the last few days. Uh, they have a major cloud um, product. Their next, uh, I guess, major an, uh, announcement as far as cloud products. And that's a, uh, a product called Dynamics 365. Now this is a combination of Microsoft's customer relationship uh, management product or Microsoft Dynamics CRM online um, with their their enterprise resource or ERP um, planning um, product, enterprise resource planning product, uh, Microsoft Dynamics AX. So um, this is is kind of uh, in many ways to be expected from uh, from Microsoft that they're trying to uh, they're trying to uh, bring their products together into uh, uh, simple subscription type offerings uh, and trying to broaden uh, the number of their offerings that would be available uh, really across all customer uh, customer segments. So this is going to be available in a business edition that will target smaller organisations. So it could well be of interest to uh, to many of of New Zealand's sort of small to medium uh, businesses that maybe haven't haven't looked at. Uh, um, uh, formal enterprise resource planning uh, products in the past, um, or maybe been been holding back because of the cost of uh, of getting on board with those. So um, it's going to be curious to see just uh, just how easy to use that is. Um, but what we do what we do know is it's going to be available in a month monthly subscription, uh, somewhat similar manner to uh, to how uh, Office 365 is available to today, and also uh, Microsoft's um, uh, Dynamics CRM on online product. Um, and in fact, this is really just a superset um, of the Dynamics CRM on, on online that's available today. Uh, so customers will be able to uh, get varying uh, licenses for their needs. So if they're maybe already using Microsoft um, uh, Dynamics CRM on online, um, they will be able to keep some users on that and have some people uh, licensed on the on the bigger um, iterations of the uh, the Dynamics 365 uh, product. So it looks like there'll be some flexibility there in the um, in those offerings. Now, also. Um, 
at the at the event. Um, Microsoft were were really putting a putting a big focus on um, on their partners and and, and encouraging the, those partners to be uh, uh, to be to be looking at the bigger picture, uh, business improvement, a big picture view of their customers and uh, and how they can help them, and also taking that bigger view of their own business and how they're uh, they're serving their their, their customers. Um, and when we, when I guess we relate that to uh, to Dynamics 365, um, one of one of the things that uh, they're very much in, encouraging uh, their own partners to do is to develop their own intellectual property uh, that might add to the core capability of uh, of Dynamics 365. Looking at what their customer needs are, where they've got some maybe some unique intellectual property uh, that they can add into the uh, add into the mix. Now another announcement that came out uh, during Microsoft's uh, WPC uh, was that uh, Facebook are moving their uh, themselves across to uh, Office 365, which you know I think for some would be uh, would be a, a little bit of a surprise. As a Silicon Valley uh, business, they, uh, they, there's probably that expectation that they'd be either working off their own technology uh, or maybe off. Um, of Google, uh, but uh, Facebook actually have their own um, their own productivity uh, tools developed in house, um, and they're going to be augmenting those with uh, with Microsoft uh, Office 365, which is uh, which is interesting. We'll dive a little bit more into uh, uh, into that chat when I when I talk with uh, Paul Thorot uh, later on in the episode. Now onto a little announcement in the leadership of Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft's chief operating officer of the past eleven years is stepping down. It's been announced that Kevin Turner will actually be taking on the uh, chief executive role at Chicago headquartered Citadel Securities. It's a company offering fixed income and equity securities. Now I've sort of highlighted, I guess there are a bunch of the um, the news and, and announcements that were made uh, during or, or, or in the uh, immediate lead up to Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference. But each year there's there are also uh, particular themes. And um, when I first attended uh, Microsoft WPC some some years ago, uh, Microsoft were were really uh, focused on the cloud, and I, and I guess you know that thread has has run through. You know many of their uh, many of their recent events, but this one was a um, was a different, a somewhat different approach. Now, I think I think at each at each of these events, Microsoft has been very strategic uh, in the messaging that they're uh, they're putting out to customers. They are really thinking uh, thinking ahead and trying to to lay those foundations for the years ahead. And in fact, when they started talking about uh, cloud, it was certainly uh, and they were they were pushing. Uh, the concept of a cloud-first approach, and that uh, organisations should first be looking at the cloud, and uh, and really looking at uh, at hybrid or uh, or their own uh, in-house on-premises uh, technologies, really as a as a second as a secondary, uh, if cloud wasn't the right uh, right fit, and somewhat uh, somewhat ahead, I guess, in that uh, in that messaging. Of uh, of market uh, market adoption, um, but as as we see today, organisations are uh, are really heavily adopting cloud technologies. 
Now at WPC 2016, the messaging for me was all around digital transformation. Um, not a topic that's new, uh, but one that was highlighted really right across the event uh, from the keynote sessions uh, with with CEO Sarja Nadella and the other speakers through to the varying sessions and breakouts with sessions by speakers such as uh, James Whitaker, uh, who Microsoft have had speak in, in New Zealand before at their uh, their TechEd event and um, even in their uh, their regional sessions such as their uh, Asia Pacific keynote on uh, on Thursday morning. Now that's a, a really huge topic in, it, in itself uh, and I'm not really going to drill into that today although we certainly will be uh, you know we'll c- continue to visit various aspects of of digital transformation and and innovation across future episodes of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, of course. But for those that are wanting to uh, wanting to drill in a, l- a little bit more to some of the things that Microsoft uh, was talking about at WPC uh, 2016, it's well worth uh, having a look online and, and seeing if you can track down uh, the, the keynotes uh, from the event and, um, and some of the online uh, coverage that's been, uh, been published, varying media that, media that, have, uh, that, that have covered the event. And so, yeah, well worth uh, well worth having a, a little bit of a look at that. Now, um, Microsoft, of course, consists really of, of of many business units, and they're trying to develop and and grow really um, all of those, I suppose. So, um, you know, it's not a surprise that Microsoft are pushing their own barrow and 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 trying to promote their own products. But um, it actually didn't feel like this sort of event where they were. They were really, um, you know, being over the top at, at pushing their products down people's throats. Um, they were offering some really good uh, advice and direction in terms of where the market's going and, uh, you know, what it will take for organisations uh, to succeed going forward as we move into a world that is continually being transformed by digital innovations and of course the the Ubers and the Airbnbs and, and these sorts of organisations were, uh, uh, were of course highlighted as, as they often are um, as examples but you know also there were lots and lots more uh, practical and smaller examples of where uh, technology is changing the world in which we now operate and uh, you know things such as bots which um, uh, Microsoft are doing a lot of work on and, and, and so are other uh, organisations we we're going to continue to see uh, more and more changes in the in the way that uh, businesses uh, need to operate in, in order to continue to be um, successful and competitive going going forward with with all of the challenges that uh, that, that that may bring as we move uh, into a world where um, um, varying varying technologies will will ultimately uh, make redundant um, some of the the jobs that have been uh, commonplace for uh, for a long time. So yeah, overall, uh, you know, I think uh, a, a pretty wor- worthwhile event. It was worth making the trip um, up to Toronto uh, for this one. And you know, I guess I look at it from two perspectives. Um, one w- with my hat on as a as a business and a te- technology commentator, uh, looking in uh, at Microsoft and 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 trying to get that view of where they're going and, and whether they've got their finger on the pulse and are moving in the right direction. Uh, they certainly seem to be making uh, a lot of good moves. Of course, 
they're they're competing with a lot of uh, a lot of companies, and in in many cases, they are not the uh, they are not the leading player. Uh, areas such as cloud services, where uh, they compete with Amazon, of course, and CRM competing with Salesforce, mobile, where uh, they're doing very poorly uh, against uh, Apple and and, and Google and. Uh, databases where they're up against Oracle um, but that actually creates a um, you know I think a, a really good pressure on Microsoft that they, that they have to work very very hard so that they can uh, they, they can keep growing and continue to be successful and yeah you know I, th- I think um, that they, they seem to be making all the right sounds and uh, and and certainly moving along with some um, um, some good innovations. So, you know, with my hat on as the, the owner of Gorilla Technology, um, a small te- technology strategy and services firm that works with Microsoft's technologies, uh, it was also very worthwhile. So uh, for those that are wondering, oh, is this the sort of event I should go to? Um, then, yeah, if you um, if if you know if you if you're working in that field of technology as a Microsoft partner, uh, then then it's something uh, worthwhile looking at. Um, for those in the in the in the broader uh, tech community, um, just worth uh, worth keeping in touch really, and 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 finding out. You know what are the themes that are coming through from uh, from events like this and uh, uh, other events that are taking place in the industry. Of course, we have lots of events taking place locally uh, in New Zealand, and Amazon, of course, just put on their um, uh, their event at the Cloud in, in Auckland just a couple of weeks ago. I'm presuming that will become a uh, you know a pretty a pretty regular event for uh, uh, for New Zealand, and I think that was one that was worthwhile. Of course. Uh, uh, Microsoft have got their Ignite conference coming up later on in the year, um, and most of the big uh, big uh, tech firms have their events, whether in New Zealand or or, or internationally, that are uh, that are that are really pretty fantastic for keeping up uh, with the themes and the trends and and the things that are that are worth keeping a, a close eye on in order to determine uh, you know what moves you should be making uh, in the future from a uh, from a, from a sense of uh, using technology within the uh, the world of uh, um, business so uh, moving on from that we're going to uh, we're j- going to jump across and uh, and have a, a little uh, a little chit chat to Paul Throt. now um, Paul is interesting in that he's been commentating and, and following Microsoft for a, for a very long time he he uh, he leans towards the, uh, the the consumer side of things so yeah Paul has some uh, some good and sometimes unique unique perspectives on uh, on Microsoft but let's uh, let's jump in onto that one and we'll take it from there Right now with Paul Thorot from Thorot.com and co-host of the Windows Weekly Podcast. Thanks for joining me, Paul. Hey, good to see you again. Now, I'm, uh, I'm keen to hear your, your take on where Microsoft are, are at at the moment. Um, they don't tend to make lots of announcements at the Worldwide uh, Partner Conference, and certainly this time there haven't been any uh, you know, big earth-shattering announcements. But the... CIO from Facebook was saying that Microsoft have got the mojo back. Microsoft's yeah. call again. Um, is this where you where you see is 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 that a fair view of where Microsoft are at and the way that they're uh, they're running their partnerships is you know very new devices and, and so on that are you know always coming out for Windows and they're working on lots of yeah. software and bits and pieces. How does it look from your perspective? 
well, I, <laughs> I mean, from a Silicon Valley perspective, they may seem cool again. But Microsoft has been cool again for a while, I would say. You know, Windows 10, Surface, etc. They've got some really cool stuff out and coming out. And I think this is Facebook and probably other companies in Silicon Valley kind of waking up to that, which is great. So congratulations. Welcome on board. But it's not really new to this year or new to this show. So in terms of things that you've seen at this event, what's standing out to you? Are there any uh, pointers in terms of things that Microsoft are or aren't doing? What are your picks for yeah. what might or might not come out this year? Well, I mean, for me personally, the big stuff is Windows 10, Surface, that kind of thing. But if you look at Microsoft from a broader perspective, I think the big things are those things that point at the trends, the long-term trends that Microsoft needs uh, to be successful. So Surface as a service kind of factors into that. The continued success of Office 365 is a huge, huge deal for them, Azure, and so forth. Uh, the enterprise skew of Windows 10 as a, as a service, essentially, as a, as a subscription service, essentially. Uh, is, is all kind of pointing down to that same path that we know Microsoft to be going on, right? They're going to be a big player in the cloud, a big player in subscription services. So uh, that's kind of the big picture, I think. It does sound interesting offering a computer on a monthly basis with the term as a service, but it's not likely to be as, as simple as you can just rent a, a Surface you know, for three months and then decide to change to something else. This is something aimed at the, the large organizations, the enterprises, to make it uh, easy for them in terms of uh, you know how they how they manage things, not having to put uh, hardware onto the, onto their books as assets and so on. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, as individuals, we're used to subscribing to things. You know, a car lease is a, a subscription of sorts, and so you can kind of look at it like that. But really, what this is about is taking hardware and putting it into the sales model that Windows and other software from Microsoft already is sold by. So for example, um, you could go into a two-year lease, let's call it. Um, it could be from Microsoft, it could be from a partner. That's obviously what we're talking about at the show. Uh, there's support services, warranty services, so forth uh, built on top of that. And at the expiration of that two-year term, you're upgraded to the next version. Um, the partner can then take that device and resell it, uh, perhaps into education or some kind of market where uh, money is more of a factor and we don't really need the latest device and so forth. And it, it's it's really, you know, this is what Microsoft wants. They want that really regular source of revenue. It makes sense for them. Partners also makes a lot of sense. And for the enterprise, it makes sense because this is how they're used to buying things as it is. They don't, you know, it's not a big outlay of cash all at one time and then nothing for 11 months. This kind of just evens it out over the year. So I think it's a win-win-win, if you will. Now, we've also seen this change with Windows, which... Yeah, traditionally was something that you know, people paid a, a reasonable amount of uh, money for. Um, Microsoft obviously competing with Google and you know with free, yeah. uh, so they're, you know, they're giving Windows away mostly on the devices that they're not selling like phones. Uh, but you know the cost of Windows from a consumer perspective, um, you know they're having to have that lower cost, but they seem to be more than making up for it with this move for businesses into having to have the enterprise version of Windows. Yep. And then the, the latest announcement today is that uh, you know, organizations will be able to have Windows for I think, seven US dollars uh, you know, per month mm -hmm. uh, per device. Where do you think that's going to impact them? You know, do you think their, their revenue of Windows actually will, will start you know, tipping up where it was, you could say it was probably you know, tipping down in terms of what they were, uh, they were earning on Windows? Yeah, it definitely was tipping down. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think there's two sides to that coin. I mean, you know, on the one hand, a lot of people look at what Microsoft is doing with Windows on the low end of smaller devices and smaller screens and like, oh, they're forced to give it away because of Google, and that's fair. But the other half of that is that Google also charges for the services they offer to businesses just like everyone else. And so they're competing at both ends of those markets in the same way in, in some ways. And so I think Microsoft's advantage is that they're a known trusted partner. Um, they are the only one that can offer the hybrid solutions that enterprises need and so forth. And so I think this is just them taking what they do right and moving into the next generation. And uh, as far as Windows specifically and improving revenues, I, I, you know, Windows in some ways is probably a declining or slowing business overall you know, going forward no matter what. Um, and this is about maintaining that as much as they can while moving customers to other solutions where they can make uh, more money, you know, Office 365, Azure, whatever. Now, they seem to be putting a, a really big effort into security. So, you know, there's things that are probably useful for, for everyday uh, users, like the, the Windows Hello stuff, biometric authentication, looking at your face, looking at your, your fingerprint. Um, and they demoed today using that to you know, log into uh, to websites. Um, but the other bit they've been working on is this advanced threat protection, which is, is quite new. And yeah. there seem to be two pieces to that. One with that bundled in uh, to an enterprise uh, version of Windows. I think the, uh, the, the E5 uh, version includes that piece. Yeah. But then they also demonstrated the, uh, the behind the scenes for, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the IT teams to be able to monitor what's going on across their organization. Now, this is quite uh, unique for Microsoft to get into to this space. There have been you know, specialized cybersecurity firms that are, uh, that are working here. Um, seems like this is the sort of thing we might see some quite mass adoption of uh, when it's got Microsoft's name on it because it's very yep. easy for people just to subscribe and jump on board. Yes, there's a lot there. <laughs> so um, looking at Windows specifically, I think the coolest thing about Windows 10 is that the security stuff, you just get it for free. It's just there. A lot of it's behind the scenes. There's not a lot to say about it. It just works. It's just more secure. That's great. Um, Windows Hello biometric security is obviously awesome for users. Um, you said many talked about you know people who go to a site and they can't remember their password and they just walk away from it. I mean, that's one issue. But the bigger issue is people using the same password everywhere. And I think when you make it easier for people to authenticate themselves against whatever it is, the PC, online services, websites, the store, you know, that's good for everybody. Um, again, from a broader perspective, you know, Microsoft has EMS, which is now, I guess, EM, EM plus S, right? You know, like enterprise uh, mobility plus security. Uh, in the same way that they recast what we think of as um, device management, mobile device management, into something much bigger than that, you know, ID management and uh, app management, data management, and so forth. Um, adding security, this makes tons of sense. And this is a place where Microsoft can, can really counter the downward impact of Windows as that declines somewhat uh, by it being inclusive to other platforms, including Android and iOS, and adding security to those devices as well. And again, you know, in the recasting or reimagining of Microsoft where they're this big trusted cloud supplier, it shouldn't really matter what you have on the client, right? They're, they're there to help you manage and secure those things. You know, Windows may be better, and I think it is, but if businesses decide to go with other devices, they're going to be protected as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems Microsoft have, have worked out where the money is to be made out of technology, and it's certainly in servicing businesses. And when you look at their offerings, they seem to be filling a lot more gaps and they're very much focused on the same things that, that businesses are in terms of, um, you know, as, as we move into a, a much more digital and electronic world of bots and, and so on, um, it's this world where there's opportunity for technology 
to really take over a lot of jobs, right? And they're, they're talking a lot about things that are going to improve productivity and get answers a whole lot quicker. Yeah. Um, any of that stuff that sort of stood out that you found fa- fascinating? Well, I mean, not so much at this show, but uh, they talked yesterday a bit about Skype bots and uh, the broader Microsoft bot framework. I'm not sure if I'm getting that name right. Uh, I think this notion of intelligent assistants that live in the cloud and do things for you is actually um, uh, it's just huge, again, given Microsoft's future focus, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, early demos of this where you kind of interact with like something in Skype and it's sort of a contact, but it's really a specific bot are silly. But they're just a way to test the technology. Really what it is is context sensitive. You and I could be having a conversation on Skype or online somehow, whatever, and it doesn't matter. And if we're talking about, hey, we need to book a hotel because we're going to whatever city, you can start prompting us and saying, hey, there's a really good deal you know, here. I think that's the type of thing most people understand is really, really useful. And, I, and again, Microsoft with all of their cloud uh, uh, prowess and their machine learning technologies and everything, they, they really can make a difference here. It's so huge. It's basically two companies in the world can do this. It's Microsoft and Google. So that's a huge opportunity for them. And they seem to be stepping on a, a few toes with uh, where Skype for Business is, is heading as well, being able to do these broadcasts and, and meetings, get rid of phone systems. And then today they talked about that uh, with, the, with those broadcasts going forward, um, Skype will basically be able to um, you know, put captioning onto, uh, onto those broadcasts. You're doing a group yeah. broadcast, my people all around the world and will automatically translate so people could be sitting in all sorts of countries. That seems uh, pretty cool, I would have thought. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And again, this exact same type of technology, it's Google and Microsoft. They're the only companies that can do this. So Google has their own translation services, Microsoft has their stuff. Um, The ability to just provide this value to enterprises is so huge. And when you think about Office 365, just the basic you know, value play that's there. It's not about putting an exchange server in an organization. You get everything at once. And so there are companies that maybe in the past would never have considered whatever Skype for Business was called in the past, Link or, um, or whatever, the Office Communication Server, um, because they were focused more just on email and on calendar and maybe eventually on documents with SharePoint or whatever. But now they get everything. And now they can grow these things up together. And you start applying these technologies from Microsoft Research on top of it, and you get this amazing set of solutions across the board and people you know it's like getting it for free because you're already kind of subscribing for this core functionality but this other stuff just comes on top so it's really the way now i've heard it described that microsoft under uh, under the, the uh, new leadership of such and there is um got a bit of a feel of a startup to it now it's, <laughs> yeah it's pretty yeah. pretty huge um but when i look out around the world countries like new zealand um Microsoft's still failing to deliver various pieces of the puzzle. Right. Uh, are you seeing that feedback? You, I mean, you've got a, a huge number of uh, people around the world that uh, keep in touch mm-hmm. with you. What's the <laughs> yep. sort of feedback you, you're getting on those things? Are people still uh, frustrated as as they have been with with other uh, you know um, ch- challenges along these lines in year, years gone by? Yes. <laughs> so, well, I mean, as recently as last night, you know, we had a meetup and we got together with a bunch of people again from all around the world, like I said, and that's still the number one complaint when Microsoft rolls out some service, some sort of Katana type thing or, you know, Skype bots or whatever it is. It's like, well, I live in Canada in some cases, or I live in New Zealand, or I live in, it doesn't matter, wherever, you know, we're not in the United States. Um, that is a big problem. I, I don't think it's a problem that's unique to Microsoft. You know, Google has this problem in some ways, Apple does, of course, too, but... Um, Satya Nadella is an engineer, and I think one of the coolest things about him running Microsoft is that you're seeing a much more logical 
and less political Microsoft, where you don't have little power centers in the company that are able to vote down things because it might impact their product. It's not about supporting Windows over everything else or Office over everything else. It's about supporting Microsoft over everything else. And so I don't have any concrete example of this that's going to solve the problem you're describing, but I think that's how we get there. Um, because I've heard from multiple employees inter about internal meetings, senior leadership team, whatever, where he's like, look, we need to work together. It doesn't matter what you want. What matters is what's right for Microsoft. And obviously serving the entire world is what's right for Microsoft. So hopefully, I, I, nothing, again, nothing concrete, but hopefully, yeah. Now, this show is all about uh, Microsoft partners is fo focused on them, and Microsoft is pretty uh, unique when you compare them uh, certainly with, with Google and, and uh, Amazon, yep. big, big competitors, in that they're, they're so closely tied to their partners, and you know they say that 90 plus percent of their, uh, of their revenue actually comes uh, through the partner channels. Right. Now, anything that stood out around the sort of partner-specific communications that they uh, they, they made this week, they were talking on increasing revenue mm -hmm. uh, around some of their hardware products and so on for, uh, for partners. Yeah. Um, Microsoft lives and dies by the partner ecosystem. That's, that's the path they've chosen. It's the way they're going to battle. It's just the way it is. And so there's you know, good ends and bad ends that partners are obviously are like any other customer up and down depending on their situation. Sometimes they feel like other people are getting an advantage over them and sometimes they don't, etc. Um, the big statistic I saw that I think is kind of relevant to this is that a year ago, Microsoft had 200 partners reselling Surface into the channel. Today they have over 10,000. And that's the, that's the scope of this partner ecosystem. It's amazing. And it's why it's so important to Microsoft. And so it behooves Microsoft to make sure that their partners can be as profitable as possible. And it's not just Microsoft selling, in this case, a, a PC essentially that competes with other PC makers. It's bringing in PC makers, Dell, HP, the other big PC makers are actually Surface partners now. Um, and you, you make it inclusive, right? So it benefits the entire industry. And so, you know, obviously this week is all about partners, but honestly, Microsoft is all about partners. You know, you've been to a lot of Microsoft shows, you know, like this is kind of a special one. It's a big deal. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's part of what, you know, it's a big part of what gives Microsoft the, the reach and the success that, that yeah. they have. And as you said, you know, they've got companies like Dell, I think now IBM are the, 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 IBM. the latest who are uh, selling their service products. Yeah. Right, well, great to chat to you, Paul. Thanks very much for your time. No, thank you. Good to see you again. Well, great to hear from uh, from Paul Throat. Now, of course, you can track him down um, on his uh, on his website, uh, Throot.com. Um, you'll also uh, hear on there from uh, from Brad Sams, who also writes for uh, for Therot.com, um, who was also at uh, at WPC this year. Um, hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode. It is one of our more 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 focused special episodes, which we we do from time to time throughout the year. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, then feel free to drop me a line. Uh, Paul at Spain.nz is my direct uh, email. Can also uh, track me down on social media. Uh, more and more, I'm tending to use um, Facebook as well as Twitter. Uh, so I tend to do most of my live video streams on Facebook. So I'm at Facebook.com/slash Paul Spain if you would like to follow me uh, also on Twitter at Paul Spain um, so either of those channels is fine uh, and for more uh, great um, podcast content then check out podcasts 
www.ngz.co.nz. Uh, there you can catch our uh, latest episodes of, for instance, the uh, New Zealand Business Podcast, uh, the Food, Family and Friends Podcast, amongst others. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening in, and we'll catch you again on the next episode, uh, which will be coming up pretty soon, actually. Um, that will be out uh, probably uh, on Wednesday. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.